0: If you knew with absolute certainty that one year from today, Jesus, the Son of God, would return in glory to judge the world, to renew creation, and to consummate the kingdom of God on earth for eternity, how would it affect you today? If you knew... Beyond a shadow of a doubt that one year from today, Jesus, the Lion of Judah himself, would descend in holy might to vanquish Satan's sin and death, to wipe every tear from our weary faces and to fulfill every last precious promise foretold in God's word. If you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, one year from today, that would transpire, how would it affect you today? Today. Today. What activities or pleasures or pursuits that right now get so much of your attention would almost immediately fall by the wayside? Conversely, what things would you begin to give yourself to with much more consistency? Prayer? Worship? feeding on God's word, gathering with the men and women of this local church family to be encouraged and assured and stirred up toward love and good works? The writer of the book of Hebrews tells us, these are the things that are worthy of our devotion as the return of Christ draws near. Only our Heavenly Father, of course, knows the precise time of Jesus' return. But according to his reliable word, that day will come suddenly like a thief in the night. And there is wisdom in treating each day as though it is the last and Jesus returns tomorrow. In Psalm 90 verse 12 Moses cries out to God, teach us to number our days so that we may get a heart of wisdom. This is a beautiful and prudent prayer because when we understand how near the day of the Lord actually is, Not only do the things that matter most to God begin to matter more to us, but we begin to wisely pursue those things with greater consistency. So today, as we continue in our summer orientation series, we're going to consider this concept, this idea of consistency and consistency toward the things that matter most. Because the truth is, each one of us is consistent To devote our time and energy and attention to certain activities or pleasures or pursuits. Each one of us is consistent. The question is, are the activities that we give ourselves to, the pleasures, the pursuits, are those things profitable to us? Are they preparing us for that imminent moment when we step into eternity with Jesus? If you haven't already, I'd invite you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 25. The book of Hebrews is cloaked in a bit of mystery. It is, of course, the inspired word of God, but we are not sure through whom God wrote it. It could have been Luke or Barnabas. Some think maybe Apollos. We're not sure. We're also not sure to whom it was originally written. Like the books of 1 and 2 Peter and James and Jude, the book of Hebrews is undoubtedly a Jewish epistle. That is, it is a letter that was written to a community of Jewish Christians. But it was written in Greek. It wasn't written in Hebrew. Which means that the original audience was likely a church church comprised of Hellenistic Jews, Greek-speaking Jews, possibly in Rome. While the original author and the audience of the book of Hebrews remains a mystery, its central message does not. Its central message is crystal clear, and it is this. Over and above and better than the Old Covenant The old covenant that God made with the people of Israel through Moses, over and above and better, God has made a new and better covenant with believers through the person and work of Jesus Christ. In the book of Hebrews, we see that Jesus is the true and lasting temple that was raised up in three days and not made with human hands. Jesus is the true and lasting high priest who offered sacrifice. Jesus is the true and lasting sacrifice himself. At the beginning of our passage this morning, the writer of Hebrews is reflecting on what happened when Jesus took his final breath on the cross. As Jesus died on the cross, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And this is significant because the temple curtain was an important symbol within the framework of the Old Covenant. The temple curtain served as a barricade around the Holy of Holies, and it kept the people of Israel from coming too close to the presence of a holy God. The temple curtain measured 60 feet high from top to bottom, and according to early Jewish tradition, it's Four-inch thickness could not be torn by a team of horses. Per the law of Moses, only the high priest could enter through the curtain once a year to make the sacrifice of atonement for sin. But when Jesus, the mediator of a new and better covenant, when he was slain, God himself tore the old covenant curtain into two. Signifying that once and for all, I'm getting warmed up now, once and for all by the blood of a better sacrifice, the holy of holies has been opened to us and we have been in and of ourselves invited to draw near, to enter into God's holy, perfect presence forever. No ifs, ands, or buts. This is the magnificent reality that the writer of Hebrews is reflecting on as we come into our passage today. And as he reflects, it sets the scene for what we ought to be, what we get to be, what we must be devoting ourselves to with great consistency as we await the return of Christ. Follow along. As I read God's word, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is the word of the Lord. Father, thank you for your word Thank you for your Holy Spirit who helps us to understand, to be convicted by, to be shaped by, to be conformed to your word, both inspired and your word incarnate, that is Jesus. We get to become more like Jesus as we Draw near and hold fast and stir one another up in the truth of the gospel. Let that be today for your glory and our good in Jesus' name. Amen. In the third verse of the hymn, Come Ye Sinners, we didn't sing it this morning. That was bad planning on my part. but there is a beautiful invitation that stems in the third verse of Come Ye Sinners and it says this, let not conscience make you linger, nor of fitness fondly dream, for all the fitness that he requires is to feel your need of him. In other words, do not let your guilty conscience keep you from drawing near to God. You might think of yourself as too sinful to belong to God, but when you feel your great guilt, be reminded of your great savior. Jesus didn't come to save the (laughs) guiltless. Thank God. More so than the blood of bulls that the old covenant priests would sprinkle on the altar behind that temple curtain torn in two, Jesus' blood has been sprinkled on our bodies, our hearts, our consciences. We have been washed with the pure water of baptism in his name. In light of this, and in light of the fact that Jesus is soon to return, oh man, let us consider what we might pursue, what we must pursue with great urgent consistency and let us consider whom we are to do so with. I have an odd outline. For the remainder of our time, here are my two points. We're gonna look at what we must pursue. And number two, we're gonna look at whom we are to do that with. (laughs) I don't know why that was funny. (laughs) But that's what we're gonna look at for the remainder of our time. Number one, what we must pursue. Well, firstly, verse 22, in, in light of all the magnificent gospel, glorious truth we've read, Verse 22, so let us draw near. Okay, let us do that. Let us draw near with a true heart and in full assurance of faith because we've been sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and we've been washed in baptism. Look, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you call this your home church, and if you've not been baptized, time to be baptized. That's all I'll say on that one. The blood of Christ and the washing of pure water qualifies us to enter into the presence of God wherever we are, however we are, and whatever time it is. And we do that in spirit and in truth. Okay, so watch me do something in spirit and in truth. Oh, Lord. That was spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth, we now get to draw, we To draw near to God in His Word, in worship, and in prayer, and we must not overlook the privilege that this is. Think about this pretty simple, profound truth with me for one moment. We, We get to draw near to the Creator, Sustainer, and Commander of the universe, He is the Namer of the stars the mover of mountains, the holder of oceans. He is the great I am. We not only know him, we are known by him and we get to draw near to him. And so it kind of goes without saying, the writer of Hebrews is practically screaming at us, let us draw near again and again and again and again with unwavering consistency. Let us draw near to praise him in the morning. To thank him for our lunch, to confess our failings, to surrender our concerns. And boy, if you scroll through the news, I have many concerns. To seek his strength, to plead for his wisdom, to petition his guidance, to reach for his help. Let us, with absolute mundane repetition, draw near to him every Sunday and Wednesday Let us draw near to him during our nights of prayer throughout the year. Let us draw near to him during our elders meetings and deacons meetings as we'll meet tonight and CG leaders meetings. Let us draw near to him all the more each and every day because the day of Christ who has made full atonement for us, he's coming back. Like we've got to get that in our head. This isn't all theory. This is actuality. For me, laziness, distraction, guilt, and an overcommitment to a host of lesser important things is often what deters me from drawing near. Things I'm committed to, man. Just talking with Brett Tomasetti this week, man. The things that I'm often committed to, they are not going to last through the fire. Save me, Lord. And what are these things? What are laziness, distraction, guilt, and overcommitment to all the unimportant things, as important as we might feel they are? What are these? What is this but a lack of faith? Drawing near to God in worship and in prayer may not feel like it accomplishes much in the moment, but just because we don't see an immediate effect does not render it ineffective. We are reminded in Hebrews 11, verse 1 we can be assured of the help we hope for. We can be confident in what we do not presently see. And so, we should all the more, as the day of the Lord draws near, consistently draw near to God. Secondly, still under point number one, but if you will, be of point number one. Let us hold fast. Verse 23. Let us hold fast without wavering to this hope that we have in Christ. Okay, let me once again say something that I need to be reminded of about every 15 seconds. Jesus has cleansed us from sin. He has clothed us with his righteousness. He has sealed us with his Holy Spirit. And he has promised and his word is faithful, he has promised to return. We get to hold fast to this hope because he who promises is faithful to fulfill all of his promises. So we must diligently, consistently cling tightly to the Lord, to love him as he has first loved us, to obey him as he is worthy, to serve him with all our heart and soul And to watch for his glorious reappearance in the sky. Early this morning, uh, as I was putting the finishing touches on this message, I was sitting on our screened in porch and the sky burned with this ominous red glow. Maybe you saw it. And I thought to myself, I literally thought to myself, Sweet mercy, uh, Jesus, are you coming in the clouds with fire? Because, and while preparing this, the Lord always has this way of like teaching me the text before I am allowed to speak. I'm like, Jesus, as I'm looking at the ominously red blaze of sky, I'm like, Jesus, I am guilty of wavering. I'm a waverer. I am guilty of not holding fast to you or as fast to you as I ought. I am guilty of worldly behaviors. I am guilty of entertaining things that have done little to strengthen my grip on you. If anything, the things that I entertain myself with are encouraging me to loosen my grip. As I confess these things, it just so happened in God's good providence that my Bible was open to Hebrews chapter 12 and I looked at verses 1 and 2 and the writer of Hebrews says, okay, so let us lay aside every weight. Let us cast off every sin, everything we are tempted to cling to that is slowing us down and let us then run the race that is set before us with our eyes on Jesus, because he perfects what he founds. He's the founder and perfecter of me and you. Now, I deal with arrogance, but I I don't think I'm blinded too much by my arrogance to say this. Look, I need you to encourage me in the truth that I just reiterated. I need you to remind me and to urge me, yes, a pastor, again and again and again. Chris, hold fast to Jesus. Get busy killing your sin or it will kill you. Get busy getting busy running after the Lord. Run that race with endurance. Keep your eyes on him. You can't merit or earn anything. He's already done all of that. But guess what? You get to run in it. You get to hold fast. I need you to remind me of that and you need me to remind you and that's what I'm doing right now, hopefully. And this leads to a third thing we must pursue with great consistency, still underneath point one. Most of our time for the next four hours will be on point one. So point one C. Let us consider, well, wait a minute. No, I'm not on that point just yet. Let me read this passage of scripture, okay? Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Okay, be thinking transitionally, another thing we need to be giving ourselves to. Many professing Christians today treat Sunday morning like a concert or a Broadway show, right? They attend a service, to watch talented people perform on stage, right? But the writer of Hebrews dashes that understanding to pieces by reminding us we have each got a role to play when we assemble. On Sundays and Wednesdays and every day in between, as we welcome each other in, as we extend to one another the peace of Christ, As we sing out together in unison, as we bow our hearts together in prayer, as we partake together of the Lord's Supper, as we are shaped by God's word together, as we receive the benediction together, holding out our hands and believing and holding on to what we hear and then we flood out into the hallway and into the cafe, we all have a job. To stir up one another. To draw near, yeah. To hold fast, draw near. And to stir up one another in love and good works. I would say this. This is 100% the reason why we have a time of fellowship after every single gathering. Yeah, to meet new people, yes, yes, yes. But to stir up one another. With coffee in hand and four or five donuts in the other. We get to engage one another. Sister, how is your relationship with your father? I know it's hard. I know he's estranged. Have you been praying for him? Have you been seeking God on his behalf? Sister, keep up the fight and fight against any root of bitterness and remember God's justice will ultimately prevail. He sees you and he's with you. Hey, brother, have you put any more thought into freeing up your schedule with just an ounce of discipline so that you can gather with the church more consistently? God's word tells us not to neglect to meet together. Uh, He commands us not to neglect to meet together together even though inconsistency is tempting even though it's popular it's all the rage because when you're not here brother we not only miss you and we want to encourage you we need you to encourage us and stir us up that's why God has given us to one another and that's how God preserves us unto the end He doesn't save us onto an island of isolation, nor does he keep us and sanctify us and preserve us to the end all by ourselves. It's kind of funny how that works. And you have to deal with me. And I have to deal with you. But we get to do this. We get to persevere together by the grace, by the strong arm of God. This leads to My second point entirely, with great urgency and consistency, yes, drawing near to God and holding fast, we are to encourage, to stir up one another. And it begs the question, point number two, with whom are we to do this? Well, I've already answered that question and you're smart enough to know. To the church of Jews, possibly in Rome, the writer of Hebrews writes in verse 25, do not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Man, if each and every one of us would own it as our joyful task to flat out encourage at least one brother or sister during our time together each week, it would change the ethos of this church in a good gospel way we each need correction in one area or another we each, especially me needs to be kicked in the pants in one area or another but you know what we need in an array of areas of our lives we need to be encouraged I mean it really stinks out there and it's hard to be a son of God in the workplace and in the gym and in my social circle, seeing my neighbors do all the things that they do with absolute, with no repercussions. So I wanted to give you an example but my brother, Greg Ledbetter, who I have written here, is not here. So I'm gonna talk to him and he'll hear this hopefully on a recording. Greg Ledbetter, brother, here's some encouragement. You are so faithful to come to our community group, even when you admittedly don't want to. And that kind of discipline, brother, encourages me. Thank you. And another whom I'm looking at right now, Jewel Miller, Sister, you find me every single Sunday. You text me throughout the week to tell me how much you love me and how much you're praying for me. And that kind of affection stirs me up to love others well. We must not fail to gather together because we each have a role to play in stirring up one another encouraging one another in love and in good works your presence matters here to borrow my brother Dan Hedinger's words you matter we need you we want you here if I could list off every single name I would in fact let's do no I'm kidding (laughs) and we're not talking about needing tithing units to be sitting in the seats we have a very little overhead we don't need your money God appreciates and condones and commands a cheerful giver. That's not why we want you here. It's also not what we can overarchingly gain from you. Oh, this brother's really good with, you know, stock and manipulating things. We need him to come in and, and make us some, no. No. We want you here. I want you here because your being here bolsters me in my faith. You are participating, whether you know it or not, in keeping me in Christ in my preservation. And we could talk about church membership. It's kind of one thing that we implement here that we believe is rooted in Scripture. But church membership also adds a degree of accountability we expect our church members every week that you're in town to be here. And that's not we expect, God expects. We could talk about that, but here's how I'll end. Look, we want to be consistent, to hold fast, nope, to draw near. I'm going to start with that one to God. We want to be consistent. It's why we make available the Dwell Bible app that Scott Allen is crushing it in right now. Praise God. It's why we pray the way we do throughout our service. We have five prayers. There's a pastoral com- pr- pr- uh, prayer of, of bringing our spirit into this, re- this understanding that God is here and he's worthy of our worship to be adored. Confession, thanksgiving, thanksgiving. We have supplication at the end of what I speak, right? We, we, we have reason for the prayers that we pray because we're learning how to pray. And we can take it Monday through Friday, Saturday. And we can pray these same prayers. We want to hold, we want to draw near to God so we can be taught how to pray correctly. We want to be consistent in holding fast to God. It's why we confess our sins together. How many of us, me included, my first prayer is, Lord, I need this, 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 and I want to see this done. Never mind the fact that I am a wretch being made righteous by your grace, and I get to come before you, holy God. We want to hold fast to God. We want to be consistent, in it. it's why we remind ourselves of God's assurance of grace. It's why his word is central in all of our gatherings. And we want to be consistent to gather together. We don't want to neglect to meet together. It's why we relentlessly gather on Sundays. It's why we are going to gather, Lord willing, on Christmas Day this year. Sunday, the Lord's Day. It's why we have stopped a live stream. You don't... me choose my words carefully here (laughs) watching and gaining information is not being a part of the church it pales it is dangerous and virtual church which is now all the rage after COVID has tens of thousands of American professing Christians believing that they're actually part of a church when they're not. Lord, help us. We wanna be consistent to gather together so that we can each grow in our ability and willingness to stir up one another. Man, the, the, the first way that, that, that we might think of consumer-driven church is that we come in here, I need to be fed, I want the donut of my choice. I wasn't spoken to kindly. I wasn't invited over for fellowship. I, I, I shut up and reach out to someone and encourage them and give them a big hug in Jesus' name. And watch combustion take place. I, I'm feeling pumped today and I have probably an email with about 10 apologies that's gonna be coming out, but, but, but it will. Um, it's why we don't divide ourselves across multiple services. You can make a very fundamental and faithful biblical argument that with two or three or four services, you have two or three or four churches. We're not gonna do that here, Lord willing. If we knew that Jesus were to return in one year's time from this moment, wouldn't drawing near and holding fast and not failing to meet all of a sudden be placed on the front burner? Let's live like that's the case. And let's watch What the Holy Spirit does among us. I can't wait. Let's pray together and then we'll sing. I'm actually going to pray this passage. Father, we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of your son. He is the new and living way that opened through us, through the curtain, through his flesh, entrance into your presence. He is our great high priest over your house. So may we draw near to you with a true heart in full assurance. We've been sprinkled clean. We've been washed pure. May we hold fast the confession of this hope that we have without Wavering. I am a waverer. Please help my brothers and sisters to bring steadiness to me that I might not waver as much because you who promised you are faithful and may we consider how to stir up one another to love and good works it's hard out there the days are growing darker we must not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some but Lord we want to be together we get to be together we must be together to encourage one another all the more as your glorious son as his return draws near we thank you and praise you that you will hold us fast, even though we don't always hold fast to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.